0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. We want to welcome you. I we want to welcome those who, have, uh, who are visiting us online. Big question this morning. How many of you still have unopened gifts under your Christmas tree if you have it up? We just put ours away yesterday. Anybody? Nobody. No one? We, we, we actually had a couple, but it wasn't for us. because You know why? Because it makes no sense to have gifts with your name on it unopened under a Christmas tree. But too often, that's exactly what we do when it comes to the spiritual gifts that God has provided each and every one of us. And so last week we began to unpack what these gifts are, and I said we're going to go not by the traditions and the opinions of men um, or even denominations. We're going to go by what the Bible says. Is that all right? Yes. And then let the word of God interpret itself as best we can. And then if we get to places where we don't know or it's unclear, which is not uncommon because the Bible says you see in part a, 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 and and we, we, it's like we're looking through a glass dimly, and it's only until we're there face to face that we're going to see fully. And so good men disagree on some of the things that I'm teaching based on their interpretation. And so where we don't know, we're just going to say we don't know, and uh, I'm going to tell you this is what I think it says. Is that all right? And so the title of this, this series is called Let's Talk About the Gifts. Let's talk about the gifts. Now last week we tackled the question the questions where do they come from and what are they for? And the apostle Paul began to answer that question for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. This is what he said. He says now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed, uninformed. I think the King James uses the the word ignorant. Um, Turn to someone and say, Don't be ignorant. (laughs) It's not a nice thing to say. But concerning the gifts, yeah, that's basically what's going on in the body of Christ Uh, ignorance as as it relates to what's happening. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is help me out, somebody. The same God at work. So where do the gifts come from? According to the scripture? Come on, say it out loud. I want Say it like you mean it. It comes from God. And then he tells us exactly why they are here or what they are for. In verse 7, he says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can pat ourselves on the back and say, Look what I got. I just want to see who's paying attention. Exactly one person. What does it say? It say, preach it right, pastor. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Yes. So according to the scriptures, of course, we're going to reap the benefit for having and using them. We saw that with tongues. It says it builds yourself up. You speak directly to God. But ultimately, they're not just for you. It's not just about me and what I can get. It's about the people that God is trying to reach through you. It's to help others. Now, Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He also moved in the gifts. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that, my friends, is why we absolutely need each other, why it's not a great idea unless you have some medical reason or some good reason to be doing church online. And I'm not disparaging those who are watching. I'm just saying that the gifts that God has given is, is for us to serve each other, to serve one another, Now, I may need that gift that God has given you on any given day, and you may need the gift that God has given me, but if we uh, separate ourselves from the body of Christ, I'm going to be left without, and you're going to be left without. Does that make sense? We'll talk about that a little bit more. God does not expect us to be lone rangers on island unto ourselves when it comes to what he's trying to do overall in our midst. And so that's your first fill-in. We serve God, listen, by serving his people. We serve God by serving his people. Now, a lot of people will say, well, I serve God and I, I can't stand people. Well, according to, the, <laughs> according to what the Bible says, that's almost impossible. 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a what? Is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? How many of us have seen God? Don't raise your hand. Most of us, honestly, have not seen God. And he has given us this command, not suggestion. He says those who love God must, 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 must also love their fellow believers. And so we serve God by loving and serving the people whom God loves. And that's our spiritual act of worship. That's how you connect with God. Uh, God, I don't see you, but I can see the people that you love, and I'm going to serve you by serving the people that you love. Now, someone might say, well, you know, Pastor Rick, I I don't think there's there's a place for me in the body or there's work for me to do, well, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan for you and a purpose. And it's not just to float around spiritually and kind of, you know, jump from this to that. He says, no, I, I prepared some for you to do. We're not saved by our works, but we're all saved to a work, and God has uniquely gifted us and qualified us, even called and created us to do that work that he prepared, the Bible says, in advance. Now, when he's talking about in advance, he's talking about even before you were a thought in your mother's womb. God had set out a plan and a purpose for you to accomplish for such a time as now. Again, that speaks of purpose and meaning in our lives, and for so many people, they think that it's about um, getting money or uh, position or power or moving up on, you know, the career path, and that's solely it. We had a we had a, a softball game, our final softball game this week, and by the way, we won. What? Oh, victory, victory. Yes, yes, and... Congratulations to Miss Nikki. She got the game ball. You, you were awesome with your hitting. Um, but at the end, I love the softball games, not only because it gives me practice and God knows I need practice and exercise. God knows I need exercise. And every now and then it's nice to win. But it also gathers some of us are Christians and some of us aren't. aren't. And then at the end of every game, what we do is we have huddle time. And right in front of everybody, on the bleachers, no matter who's playing or whatever, we get together. And I will highlight the, the game ball. I'll give one out whether we win or lose. But before we leave, I ask everyone to, uh, each one to share scripture, Not scripture. I'll pick one person. They'll share scripture and why they picked it. And it doesn't take more than, you know, five minutes. This is Pastor Rick. This is the scripture that I picked. And this is why. And so, and we do that all through the season, and then we close with with prayer with everyone watching, even those who aren't, you know, come on in here. Everyone signs. If you're rooting for us, you sign the game ball. If you're sitting there, you sign the game ball. As so, well, this time this Sunday it fell to me, I mean this Wednesday it fell to me to give the word. And the word that 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 God put on my heart was the scripture that says, What does it matter if you gain the whole world, but in the end lose your soul? And And so many people are playing for the win or playing for the trophies or playing for uh, the position. But at the end of the day, the trophies and the wins and the careers, the cars and the TVs and all that other stuff a hundred years from now, all that stuff is going to end up in a junk heap somewhere or owned by someone else. And so when Jesus turned around and he spoke to the crowd and he spoke to all of us and he says, What does it matter if you gain the whole world? You win the lottery. Now you're a million or a billionaire. And then a year later, two years later, five, 10, 20 years later, you breathe your last. Are you bringing it with you? He says, it's Basically, what he's saying is if, if all you're living for is for the stuff of this world, you're aiming low. And you're going to hit your target. And in the end, you're going to be disappointed. And so he calls us to aim just a little bit higher. Amen? And God has not called us for such a time as now to just show up on a Sunday to sit. He says, no, I've prepared work, something for you to do for such a time as now to serve. Now, concerning these gifts and the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul went on to say in chapter 2, verse 12, he says, we have not received this world's spirit, little s. Instead, we've received the big S, the spirit sent by God. Why? So that we may know all that God has given us. Folks, God wants us to know some things. Amen? Amen. And so then he says, we do not speak in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit as we explain spiritual truths to those who have the spirit. Whoever does not have the spirit cannot receive the gifts that come from God's spirit. Such people really do not understand them. They are nonsense to them because their value can be judged only on a spiritual basis. And so what is he saying? He's saying, Basically, don't get overly frustrated if people just don't get it concerning the gifts of the Spirit or why you do what you're doing. They're not going to get it because the Bible says these things are spiritually discerned, spiritually revealed, and in some cases, well, Paul says, I don't want you to be uh, ignorant, all right, or uninformed. Some people are just uninformed, and in other cases... According to the scriptures, the reason they just don't get it and it's nonsense to them is simply because they don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. So so they can't see it or to discern it because it takes the Holy Spirit to begin to understand what we're talking about today. The things that I am trying to explain to you. And if the Spirit is not in you, I'm telling you, it's going to come across as complete nonsense. And so sometimes some of you are going to leave here and you're going to go talk to your unsaved friends about it or, or someone in your family, and they're going to look at you like you got three eyes. It's okay. They don't get it yet. I didn't get it. It was nonsense to me before the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit. And, and, that's, and then I went to the Bible. matter of fact, I didn't even know what happened to me. I was like, well, what is this? It, it feels good, <laughs> full of joy. It drew me to the Bible. I said, "Oh, look at this! It's happening in the Scriptures." And so, I want you also to take note of this: that the gifts are distributed by God. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven, it said, "It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have." We'll talk more about that. But in other words, He's telling us that we don't earn these gifts. the, neither do we necessarily deserve them. That's why they're called grace gifts. The word that is used is mata. It's a Greek word. It literally translates to gifts of grace, gifts of grace. And so just like your salvation, you don't earn your salvation. It is a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast, so are the charismata or the charismatic gifts. They are an expression of God's grace toward us. Now, again, there are some people who say, Well, Pastor Rick, that's great, but I don't think I have not even one. Ephesians 4:7. Each one of us has received a special gift in proportion to what Christ has given. Now, you may not know you have it after you become a believer. Or you may un- be uninformed about it, but he tells us that each one of us have, has been given something. We'll come back to that. In addition, we don't get to choose which gifts that we like to have. God does that. He determines that. And it will relate oftentimes to the work he's called you to do. It will relate to your calling, uh, of which, again, we don't get to choose that either. He does um there are so many people who decide that oh well I, I like what he's doing the pastor's doing and they go out and they go online and they get you know they get some certificate and then they call me on the phone and say I I become ordained today pastor and 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 everyone should call me pastor and I'm like mm, I'm sorry bro that's not how it works okay god you don't choose the calling i was planning on becoming a nurse anesthetist Because they made a lot of money. (laughs) And then God called me into the ministry. And he made it clear that that's your plans for your life. That's not what I've called you to do. And then he confirmed his words, his calling to me through prophetic utterances. I would literally walk into places, and people would stop and say, young man, the Lord says to tell you that there's a call on your life. It happened two or three times, different places, they don't know it. And so God has a calling, and you don't choose what your calling and your gifts are. He does. Come on, somebody. He determines what it is. And so, and it's a work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Now, again, let me just remind you of 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Listen to me. No single gift is given to everyone. And no individual receives all the gifts. Because if we had them all, then no one else would be necessary. And that would be counterintuitive. It would defeat what God's purpose is. And what is God's purpose? His purpose is to teach us to love each other. His purpose is to teach us to need each other and to depend on each other and together as his body to build each other up. I'm not saying it. It's the word of God that says it. Uh, The the Verse 7 in the New Living says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the... Help me out, somebody the entire church, which means it's not just about me. It's about what God is doing with we. If others don't use their gifts, as I said, you get cheated. And if you don't use your gifts or you don't show up, then I get cheated or we get cheated. And so the Bible says everyone's got one. We'll talk about that. But it's for not just me, it's for everyone. Now, that's why God wants us to discover and to develop the spiritual gifts and not remain ignorant of what he's doing in the last days. And so for the remainder of this series, we're going to be focused on just that, defining and discovering what those gifts of the Spirit are. Why? In the hopes that we can figure out what they are and then start to develop them in us so that we can help the people that God has called us to help. And so the Apostle Paul he mentions several of the gifts in his letter to the Corinthians. In fact, in his text, he mentions about nine of them. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We've read that. Verse 8. To one person, the, spiritual, uh, the spirit gives the ability to give Wise advice. The NIV says the word of wisdom. Wise advice or the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The NIV would say the word of knowledge. Someone say the word of knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to, an, uh, to another. And to someone else, one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. That's called discernment of spirits. Because not all spirits out there are God's spirit. Come on, somebody. And it's important, especially now, to discern. What am I listening to? Is this from God or is this from someone else? Whole religions have started And have deceived many people because another spirit has come along and said, I'm from God or I'm Gabriel Gabriel, or this or that. And they start another gospel. And because people don't have discernment or the gift of discernment, they follow after these things. And so still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language or tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So there's tongues, and then there's the interpretation. It is, it is one and, and, and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so most of these gifts we saw working in the life of Jesus. If you take just look at the Gospels, he he prophesied, he, he operated in the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, healing, discernment of spirits. He, he did all these things. Uh, and so... And according to this text, the scripture makes it clear that we all have at least one. And in some cases, some of you have more than one. More than one. But everyone has at least one. Turn to someone and say, you're gifted. And not just your kids in school. All right? It's you too. You're gifted as well. And so, write this down. You, we all have at least one gift. We all have at least one gift. Now, Paul takes it a little further, and he um, identifies not just the gifts, but the callings. Uh, And he calls these positions in the church. He says these two are gifts from God. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way, but in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, 7, he says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist the pastors, and the teachers. Have you ever thought of that? That these positions are gifts from God to the church. And then he tells us why he calls them and and gifts them to the people of God. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. And so who are God's people? Tell me if someone says you. So someone else says Me too. "Me too." Who is responsible to do what does it say? The work of to do his work. One translation says the work of the ministry. Us. Who say say it again? Us. Don't say the pastor. Some people say it's your job, Pastor Rick. No, that's a mistake. People think, oh, it's the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry or the prophet or the evangelist. No. We are in the ministry, and ultimately my job, their job, is to equip God's people to sit for two hours on Sunday. No. To equip God's people to do the work of the ministry and to build up the church, the body of Christ verse 13 this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and acknowledge and and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of christ watch this then we will no longer be immature like children we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new Teaching, what is he saying? The the number one growing cults in our country, in the world, are Mormons and JWs. Muslims are up there as well. But those first two, you know where they get most of their recruits from? The Christian church. The people who have not taken the time to understand what the Word of God says concerning these things and the preaching of different gospels. And so because they, they, they are not complete and, uh, and, they're not, and they're not mature in the things of the Lord, they become immature and they're tossed and blown about by every kind of wind of new teaching that comes along. And they get pulled out of the church into these cults. And so he warns against this. He says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That's never been more important than it is today. Instead, he tells us that we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Watch this. As each part does its own special work. Turn to someone and say, all you have to do Your part. All I have to do is my part. I'm doing my part. All I have to do is the part that God assigned me to do. And what will happen? It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So when I do my part and you do your part the whole body grows. The whole body is nourished. But if I hold back on my part and you hold back on yours and then you allow the devil to do what he likes to do, which is to sow division and and, and foolishness among the church and then I'm going to take my thing and go home. And next thing you know, you've taken your talents, your gifts, and your abilities home with you. And now, because God has gifted you in a certain way and you've decided to take your ball and go home. Maybe God has dropped a word of wisdom on you with a word of knowledge and I really need that that day. Or maybe he's talented you in, in other ways, talents, gifts, and abilities. But, but, but because I've allowed these things to divide me, I can no longer receive from you and you can no longer receive from me. Does that make sense? God wants us healthy, and growing, and full of love. Now back to Paul's letter. He says in verse 27, he says, all of you together, he says, are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. And then he says, and here are some of the parts that God has appointed for his church. The apostle, first the apostle, the prophets, the teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others. Did you know that's a, gift from God, a ministry of helps. Uh, Absolutely. Those are the ones that you can depend on no matter what. You need help. They're there. That's a gift from God rather than the people. I don't know if I can make it today. You know, that sort of thing. That's a gift. This is those who have the gift of leadership. That's administration. Those who speak in unknown languages. And then he breaks it down, he says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? He says, of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And then he says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And again, what is he talking to? Because God had poured out His, these gifts on the early church, there were some who said, Well, I've got the gift of healing, and so I'm better than you. And then there was who said, Well, I got the gift of miracles. <laughs> Watch well, what I can do. And were, I can speak in tongues. And they were doing this in a way where the enemy allowed them to or, or push them to divide. And, and, and now Paul is coming in and he's addressing the Corinthian church, and he says, First of all, none of us have the same gifts. We all have different gifts. But we're all part of one body, and now I'm going to tell you a more excellent way. And then he went on in the teachings, uh, uh, we call it the love chapter, and and he tells us that, that all of these gifts should be done in an atmosphere of love and community. Because again, Jesus made it super clear. It's not whether I have the gift of healing that determines or can speak in tongues. Or anything, he says. If I have not love, I'm just a sound, a noisy sounding gong. He says, "By by this they shall know you are my Christ, my followers. It's your love for one another. It's your love for one another. And folks, that is going to be the draw when people walk in these doors. I'm told that uh, my wife did the study. Within the first seven minutes, people determine whether this place. Is for them. I've walked in some churches. I knew immediately I was not welcome there. No one had to say a thing. Before the preacher even got up, they know if this is a place based on the atmosphere that we create. And my goal is that yes, the spirit, the, the gifts of the spirit, be dispersed among us. But at the end of the day, that'll be done in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. Come on. Amen. Amen. So those are some of the administrations and the appointments that God has placed in the body of Christ for its growth and its edification. And as we have time in this series, we're going to do our best to define them all. But I'm going to spend the remainder of this morning's time on the first two that we looked at of the nine gifts that were mentioned in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. This is the King James Version. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So what are they? Well, let's take the first one first. The word of wisdom, you can write this down. It's a long definition, but we'll explain it. It says it's a direct and supernatural act of the Holy Spirit to grant wisdom to a specific believer at a specific time to deal with a specific situation. I'm going to say it again. Don't worry. It's a direct and supernatural act of the Holy Spirit to grant wisdom to a specific believer at a specific time to deal with a specific situation. You all got that? You said no, write faster. This is being recorded, so you can go back and listen to it afterwards. But the, the, uh, there's a general kind of wisdom that's out there that we all kind of have. But there are times when God will grant us an unusual wisdom, and, and it's a spiritual thing, and the people around you kind of just get recognized. Well, where would that come from? That, that came from a different place. They're like, wow. And, 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 and it kind of makes sense. And the example that we have for that, the well-known one, again, in the Bible, we all know him, is Solomon. At the time, he was considered the wisest man ever on the planet. And in First in Kings chapter 3, he was confronted by two women. They, the Bible says they were prost- prostitutes, and they both had children. Now, watch this. It says, now, in verse 16, it says, two prostitutes came to the king stood before him, and one of them said, pardon me, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. The third, the third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. And so she got up in the middle of the night and she took my son from my side while I, your servant was asleep, and she put by her breast, Uh, And put her dead son by mine. The next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. Verse 22. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. And so the king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the one one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. And so they brought a sword for the king. And he gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Verse 26. And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son. And he said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict, the king had given they held the king in awe, listen, because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. And so in that moment, the woman whose child it wasn't, yes, that's the only fair thing. And the king knew in that moment, no mother in their right mind would say, kill my baby. She said, I would rather give the child away and let him live than to watch my, the child get killed. And in that moment, he knew. Nah, she's the one. She's the one. And that's an example of a specific gift of wisdom. When you find yourself in a position of maybe conflicting principles, and sometimes you'll go to the Bible and you'll find a direction in there that speaks about your situation and that you think and it tells you to be patient and faithful and wait. And then you'll find another scripture that says, don't just sit there waiting, God blesses faith steps. And so you don't know what to do, and you say, honestly, I I don't know which of these applies to my situation, or maybe it's a problem at work, and another option comes up, another job, do I stick it out where I'm at, or should I be bold and go for the other one? I've been in those positions, Lord, which way I should go a handful of times in the past, do I step out into the ministry at this time now, or do I start looking for another job, or Where should I go on a mission with this group or that group? There might be medical decisions that you have to make. And in those times, in those situations, you need a word of wisdom. Lord, what do I do? And in James 1.5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let them do what? Ask Oprah Winfrey. Help me, somebody. Ask my girlfriends. He says, let them ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Because God wants us to make wise decisions, amen? And sometimes you need that word of wisdom where God just comes and directs and says, this is what you should do. And as a result, you will then in your heart say, that's the right answer. That's what I need to, that's what I need. You just get this supernatural clarity, and suddenly it just become. Real clear. And so in a sense, wisdom is knowing how to act and it cuts through a dilemma. And we need God's wisdom to navigate the pitfalls in this world. Amen. Amen. Matthew 10:16 says, behold, Jesus speaking. He says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now the good news is this, the word of wisdom is a manifestation of one of God's gifts to the church. And we can seek and ask God directly for it or God will highlight people in your midst that are routinely gifted in this area. And and, and it's wise to seek them out. If you are having financial problems dealing with it, it's wise to seek out the person who God has gifted in that area. If you're having marital or relationship issues, it's wise to not just take things upon yourself, but to seek the godly wisdom that God puts in your path. Come on, somebody. Business or whatever it is. And God will highlight that person And it's wise for you to seek them out. Proverbs 11.14 says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. And there's safety in having many advisors, many godly advisors. Amen. Secondly, the word of knowledge, I'm going to give you the definition for that one. It's a supernatural insight being given directly to you by the Holy Spirit. And not by your own mind or your own intelligence levels. Let me say it again because I see some of you are writing. Some of you just staring at me. But some of you are writing. A supernatural insight being given directly to you by the Holy Spirit and not by your own mind or your own intelligence level, levels. So specific piece of information that God reveals to somebody that they could not have naturally known on their own. Two examples in the Bible where well, we touched on one last week. Peter, right? and Jesus, and the Samaritan woman, and Jesus. Peter, Peter, when God asked him, what do men, uh, he says, who do men say that I am? And they all responded, some say uh, you're know, the prophet, and some say you're uh, Elijah, and all this other thing. Then he asked the $64,000 or many dollars question, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And immediately Peter spoke up. He says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And and Jesus said to him, Listen, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven. That is an example of a word, a download of a word of knowledge. That is an example. Jesus said, You didn't come by that by your own. God dropped that on you. He was operating in the word of knowledge. With the woman of the well, same thing. Word of knowledge and prophecy, encountering the woman of the well. He turns to her and says, go get your husband. And what did she say? I don't have a husband. And then Jesus turned to her and he said, you're right that you said you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. Five husbands. And the man you're with now ain't your husband. Ain't your husband. Now, Jesus read her mail. The question is, how did he do that? He did that through the word of knowledge. And oftentimes this gift will go hand in hand with prophecy. What what does she say? She said, sir, I I perceive that you're a prophet. And we're going to talk about prophecy at length as, as we touch on that one, uh, how to test the word of God, how to see if it actually is from God or not, because there are a lot of people saying God told me this and God told me that and God told me this. God. And we need to know what, what the deal is. When I first met the prophet Henry in Jamaica many years ago, that was my first time meeting him. He did the same thing to me. He, he had the word of knowledge, concerning my past. He read my mail. I was like, they ushered me into this room, uh, no bigger than, it wasn't very big. They bring him in, and then I realized he's not that much older than me. I thought he was going to be older. He was not that much older than me at the time. This is some 20-something years ago, and he's blind. And he grabs my hand. He's got the joy of the Lord on his face, and he starts reading my mail about the things that I've been involved in in the past, and the challenges that I've had. And then he starts to prophesy about what's going to happen in the future. He prophesied about this building coming. It was one of three prophecies that happened that God was going to, by the end of the year, next year. He told me also, not in that encounter, but later on, he said, you're going to have a primary school here. God's going to bring a primary school to, uh, uh, to you as well. And so, and then he told me... He called me at a Bible study one time. He said, Pastor Rick, the Lord told me to tell you it's going to be, he had this very thick Jamaican accent. He said, there's going to be people from many boats coming to your church. I said, what? Many boats. Many boats. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, so people from all nationalities and all these things. And so he was operating in the word of knowledge and prophecy. The word of knowledge may come forth as a direct word, Like in those cases or in a word picture or vision or dream that he gives you. When we had COVID, they were telling us, remember, you got, we want everyone to stop going everywhere because it's only going to take two weeks to stop the curve, something along those lines. And while they were saying that, I went to bed and I got this dream. And this is what the dream was. I was in a massive stadium, softball, and there were people in the stands. And as I was in the stands, uh, uh, in the stadium, I was, also, I was the coach, but I was also the player, much like what I do now. And I was going to be the next person up to bat. And so the, when the person goes up to the bat, the on-deck person is supposed to go. So I go to grab my bat, and my bat is missing. Where's my bat? Um, Mike knows. I use one of two bats. Where's my bat? And then someone said, Pastor Rick, hey, here's a new bat. You can use this one. I said, No, I want my old bat. Where's my old bat? This is the dream. I, I said, oh, you know what? I have time. I'm going to run back into the, to the, not the dugout because it, it was a stadium. It, it was where you. You know what I'm talking about. You got to go back into the locker rooms. I start running back into the locker room because I must have left it in the locker room. As I'm running into the locker room, obstacles are going in my way. I'm going up things and over things and around things. And why is it so hard to get my back? I finally get to my bat, it's leaning up against my locker. I grab it, I start running back, and the same thing obstacles everywhere going in my path. And then they call my name. I, I'm up to bat. And so I, I finally get to the, to the fence where, to go back out to the field, and I hit the fence, and the fence is locked. And I push the fence, and there's a lock on the fence. And they say, Where's the next batter? They're calling for my name, and the pressure's on, and and they call me out. And I was so frustrated. And then just then, I look at my old bat, and I hear this voice You should have used the new bat. And I woke up very upset. (laughs) <laughs> because I got called out. And I said, babe, I just had the weirdest dream. And I told her. And then I felt like it was a word from the Lord. And, and I shared it with the team. And Pastor Sean says, I know what that dream means. You can, and, and we all immediately realized, this ain't going to take two weeks or two months. He says, you can keep using the old, bat, the old way of doing things, and you're going to be called out. You better figure out that over the next few days, weeks, months, this thing is going to drag out a new way of doing church. And that's when we started pouring money into our technology. That's when we changed the, the way we were doing things. I called my pastor friends. I said, listen, this ain't going to take two weeks. The Lord <laughs> has shown me we need to embrace the new technology. We need to do things a different way if we're going to survive. There are churches who close their doors. And never opened up again. Because the old way of doing it was everybody was here. And, and when everybody left, everything was done. And so immediately we figured out what are the new ways. And because of that, we not just survived, but we thrived during that time. Amen? Yeah. We, we literally went completely out of debt. I, I was like, look at God. It's just amazing. And so... The word of wisdom, I want you to write this down, and knowledge helps us to separate good, what's a good idea, from what is a God idea? How many know there's a difference? How many know that all that glitters isn't gold? And all good ideas aren't all necessarily God ideas, and God wants you to know His plan and his purpose in a specific situation. I've talked to people like the women of the well who want to talk about anything but the issues. But in the moment of counseling, God would just drop something in me that kind of cuts through it all, a, a, a supernatural uh, insight as to what's taking place. And all of a sudden, I, 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 told, I was called to, 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 to someone's house. And when I knocked on the door, they came to the door, and I, I went with another lady. Uh, Just checking on you to make sure you're all right. Yes, everything is great and fine and dandy. and, 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 And they were talking and everything was fine. And the Lord just dropped into my spirit. I've never said this to anybody. I said, you're thinking about killing yourself. And all of a sudden this look on her face was like, how did you know? And she started weeping. Now, mind you, I had no idea. It was just something got dropped, and I said, and the Lord said to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. Supernaturally, it just dropped into my spirit, and I said it out loud. I've said it to no one ever. First time, and it was right exactly on. Now, listen to me. How important is knowledge? Proverbs 19:2. It says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes waste. Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." God wants you to know, not to be guessing in certain areas, because the decisions you make can either make you or break you. And 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 we are a lot of the major decisions we're just doing it randomly where you're moving, your career choices, who you're going to marry. I've had people come into my office and they want marriage counseling and I'll say something simple like this. Why, why this person? Well, look at them. I mean, look at them. I mean, they're so good looking and they're, they're so pretty. and they're looking, yeah. Have you prayed about it? Um, 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 the, the most important decision you'll ever make in this life is whether you're going to follow Jesus or not. Amen? Can we agree with that? The second most important is who you're going to walk through this life with. You need God's wisdom on that one. And to seek him last or to just do it based on looks, looks will flip the script on you quicker than you know. That's why we have all these nonsense things happening in relationships. And so... As we come to a close this morning, these are all great gifts to have, and we should depend on God's wisdom and his knowledge as often as, as possible. My question to you is, what about you today? What about you today? Do you need God's wisdom or his knowledge for anything that's going on in your life? Listen to his promise again to every single one of us, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about, help me? So what can you pray about? What can you pray about? Uh, Tell tell somebody, look them in the eye. Tell them you can pray about everything. Everything, Everything. I pray about everything. Lord, what did I do with my glasses? (laughs) It's on your head, dummy. Lord, I can't find my keys. I pray about little things, and, of course, I pray about big things. He says, don't worry about anything but pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Watch this. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. Jesus, Amen, 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 amen and, amen. and so, before we go to the communion table this morning, this is Jesus in my house shall be called a house of prayer. Is it all right? Does anyone in here need? You don't have to tell me what it is. God knows what it is. Does anyone in here need God's wisdom or a word concerning a situation? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Okay. Those who have their hands up, those around them, just put your hand toward them right now. Put your hands toward them right now. And we're going to pray. He said, don't worry about anything but to pray about everything and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding with guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that have gone up. You see the decisions that they're, they're having to make, the, the things that are facing them right now, Lord. We may not know it, but you know all of them. And you call us not to walk in fear. You, you said you want us to know, especially as it relates to these major decisions in our life. You said we can pray about everything. Those whose hands are raised right now, ask God for that wisdom. Ask him for that knowledge. Lord, I need to know. And I need a peace in knowing what the what the next steps are, and so Father, we stand in agreement with them, our brothers and sisters. Father, we agree that today and over the next few days, having asked you, humbly asked you, Father, what the what the correct decision is that Father, you will make it known to them in Jesus' name, and we thank you by faith. And you all can put your hands down. Now while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Spiritual gifts are spiritually discerned, which means you need the spirit of God. And that spirit only comes when Jesus pours it out on his people. My question to you is, are you his people? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you made a decision to follow him? And in following him, Not only does he give us the grace of salvation, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work. Stop working for it. You cannot work your way into heaven. You acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, and Jesus paid for your salvation. And so you repent of your sins, and you turn, and you put your trust in him and him alone. That's his grace. His grace comes by salvation, and his grace comes, the, the gifts that he gives you are only by grace. But if you've not yet accepted him as your Savior and your Lord, you'll never discern his spiritual gifts. So that's your first step. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord and you would like to, or to make your salvation or your election secure, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father... I acknowledge that I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me to come into my life. I believe that you are who you said you are, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who would pay for my sins and all the sins. And so today, I put my trust in you and you alone. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and with your power so that I can know all that you have for me and reveal your gifts to me. I want to be used by you for such a time as now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And the church said amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.